The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we've got from the NDSS, the National Down Syndrome Society, we got their big boss, the CEO, Candy Picard, and the Margot Rondeau, who's in charge of their health and wellness and education, and she's going to say the right title. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves properly here? Excellent. Well, good morning. Thank you for, for having us with us. So I am Candy Pickard. I'm the president and CEO of the National Down Syndrome Society. I've been with NDSS about six years now. I just celebrated six years in June um, and really got involved with NDSS after the birth of my son, Mason, who's nine years old, and really felt a drive to do something bigger and, and something for him. And so um, I've been fortunate to kind of really learn a lot about NDSS and stepped into the role of president a couple of years ago and excited to kind of take the organization to the next steps. Well, that's great. Margo, you're up. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having us. My name is Margo Rondeau. I am the Senior Director of Health and Wellness at NDSS. Like Candy, I'm also the mom of a child with down syndrome. I was involved um, working in health and wellness for individuals with ID actually when I had my daughter um, and after she was born decided that I wanted to move on over to NDSS and focus on Down syndrome. Well it all comes around doesn't it? Don't we wish that we could get the whole world as invigorated about neurodiversity as all of us parents are you know? Candy, let me start with you because you're the big boss, okay? You're the capo to tutti frutti here, all right? <laughs> and you weren't when I spoke at the uh, at the uh, first ever adult Down syndrome summit in Washington D.C. Why was it the first? Because Down syndrome people didn't live past 2030, but now they're living well into their 60s. It's a whole new bag. I think what's really, and I, and I appreciate the time here too, you know, NDSS is really, um, you know, we were founded by two parents, right, who really just wanted more resources and opportunities for their daughter, Carson. And today we're still really focused on doing just that, really recognizing those gaps that our families need and their families experience and really kind of looking at what resources, but also what advocacy initiatives we have to fill them. And so, you know, for us, we're really looking at the lifespan of an individual with Down syndrome. And as you mentioned, you know, our, our population is living longer now. They're living into their 60s and 70s, where in the 80s, they were living until 25. And I think it speaks a lot to not only the work that NDSS is doing, but what other organizations and early intervention and a lot of those pieces are bringing to our community. Um, and so for NDSS, like we want to continue to kind of support and we've really focused on three different areas of programming and that's resources and support, policy and advocacy, and then community engagement. And so we really look at our programs like the Buddy Walk and the Adult Summits and our galas, you know, those are what help us raise the funds to do the work that we do um, on Capitol Hill and to be able to provide the resources like the Adult Summit and our Aging and Alzheimer's Guides and a lot of different things that families need. But what's really interesting for us and being that you're at the first adult summit with us is we're really tapping into an area of families 
that I think felt left behind. And I think that it's really interesting for us to be able to hear these stories of families that are saying like, it's so great for you guys to be talking about aging and end of life and Alzheimer's and all of these different experiences because they've kind of felt in the dark. And, and for us, it's really important for us to make sure that, you know, as many resources as we provide for pre and postnatal families and caregivers, we want to be sure that we're providing for our adult population as well. Really? It was all about the cute little kids with autism and the, the kids with Down syndrome. Well, guess what? The kids turn into adults and what are we doing? That's where we talk about the things we'll get into later that you're tackling so well, not just the health and overall well-being, but things like employment, civil rights, and so on, which brings us up to Margot Rondeau, because you are kind of in charge of all that stuff. And you let Candy take all the credit, which we appreciate. We do. They all do. My whole team does. And I really appreciate that too sometimes, right? (laughs) They do all the work. (laughs) Luckily, I'm not in charge of all of that. Um, but I think, you know, what Candy was saying is, is as people with Down syndrome are aging, it's, it's really exciting and it's a new frontier. But there's a lot of families who are experiencing aging and don't have the luxury that I have, right? Like my daughter is three and I have generations of parents before me who give me advice, who have learned lessons, who can who can tell me what to do and when to do it and help guide along the way. Whereas parents of adults with Down syndrome don't have that luxury because it's new. And so a lot of people are experiencing things and learning lessons for the first time. And what we really wanna do is help them, right? Help guide as much as possible and help capture the information either from lived experiences or researchers and share it so that we can create a library of information to support all of the families that are coming, all of the families that will be experiencing this stage of life. Tell us how the NDSS has been faring through this pandemic. Yeah, I think we're very similar to, to other organizations. I mean, it was, it was a shock, you know, kind of, of how our team had to transition into kind of this virtual kind of space. Um, I have to say that I think I'm really proud of them. Some of them are now living their best lives working virtually and are efficient and effective. Um, We're trying to kind of start to navigate a little bit more. And I'm in DC today and meeting with Margot, trying to kind of, you know, start to kind of have these more of these in-person opportunities for us. But I think as an organization, you know, we had to transition our national buddy walk, you know, program to being virtual and supporting our affiliates and buddy walk um, organizers with different types of materials and trainings to be able to kind of shift, to be able to do that virtual format. We did a virtual gala this year. It was a lot of virtual pieces, which the world has done. But I think even as our families navigated this, education was such a huge topic for us that we had to really help them kind of figure out school situations and how we empower families and and our affiliates to be able to jump on a webinar and learn a little bit more about the IEP process or resources on therapies and different pieces like that. Because even, you know, for me and my son, he's in second grade, half the school year was virtual and it was probably the most difficult challenge that we had um, this year with with school. And so um, another fun thing that we did, it's not always so serious, a fun thing that we did is we realized like our self-advocates and the social impact on our self-advocates, our adult self-advocates. And so um, Colleen 
Jane on our team kind of created these weekly coffee chats to where she would invite our self-advocates to do this. And it was an hour of conversation, how they were feeling, what was going on, you know, an opportunity for them to connect and to chat. Um, and then they had other conversations about their favorite Halloween costume, right? And went into a lot of um, fun pieces in that sense. And so that was a great way to kind of bring our, bring our community together. But, you know, I think that what we realized in all of this, and now that we're kind of slowly starting to kind of navigate this process of trying to do some in-person events is realizing like, you know, I think we've reached more people as an organization with some of these virtual formats. And it's something that we want to continue. Not everybody can come, you know, to the adult summit in, in wherever the location may be or to the New York City Buddy Walk, you know, and how do we provide that platform from a virtual format that makes families still and caregivers and all the groups, right, feel like they're still part of the work that we do and how we're celebrating our community. What about, uh, Margot, from the education and health point of view uh, during these COVID times? Yeah, so with, um, so education, I would have to defer to my colleague who's unfortunately not on the phone with us. But from the health point, I mean, I think most of the people probably watching this, I mean, most of the people in the neurodiverse community were really affected by, by the pandemic. Um, Individuals with Down syndrome tend to be pretty scheduled with their days, pretty really embrace the routine, really social. And all of that really got taken away like very quickly. And so all of a sudden the world shut down and it was really hard. Um, and so, and there were a lot of questions, right? When COVID first came out, I mean, we're still learning about COVID, but we were learning so much even more about how does this affect people with Down syndrome? A lot of people with Down syndrome have co-occurring conditions. What was gonna happen? There was a lot of uncertainty and we really tried to support the community as much as possible. Um, a lot of the Down syndrome organizations, national organizations came together and created some resources for our community just to help answer questions about COVID and Down syndrome and um, recommendations of what should and shouldn't be doing. And we, we really enjoyed being a part of that. I mean, I think it was really helpful for myself as a mother, but but also professionally was really excited um, to be a part of. The other thing would happen is, you know, people in the beginning, hospitals weren't allowing visitors. And so how could we support individuals with Down syndrome who needed a visitor? And on a very, you know, family, local, personal level, this needs to happen, right? I mean, somebody with Down syndrome who's nonverbal or who has dual diagnosis should not be in a hospital setting by themselves. Um, and so how could we work with families? How could we work with hospital systems to try to, to create an understanding and, and support the patients as much as possible? From a health perspective, I mean, a lot of what we do is create resources. Um, and so we, we continue to do that and really focus our resources on what was happening in the moment. So a lot of COVID resources, but also the adult summit. Um, we were able to take the adult summit virtual. As Candy was saying, everything went virtual, um, which was really exciting because we could engage more speakers. We could engage more listeners. Um, we had one family from Hawaii that, that attended every session and they loved it. And that's something they would never have been able to probably afford yeah. flying in. And we learned some great lessons along the way. So as we go forward with the adult summit, what ways can we continue to engage and what ways can we continue to offer the information to everybody, not just the people who have the ability or the finances to travel. Talk about educating the Down syndrome community as well as the global population on health topics as it relates sure. to Down syndrome. Yeah, so um, that's a great question. And I mean, one of our, we've recently um, created some guiding principles for the, the health team. And 
I think two that really stand out are, is the diversity of, you know, as we were talking before, that individuals with Down syndrome are so diverse and their needs are so diverse. Um, and how we reach people is different, is, you know, very diverse. And so we can create resources and put them up on the website and that will reach a sliver of the population, but not everyone, right? I mean, not everyone learns that way and not everyone has a computer and internet to, to access. And so we're really exploring, how do we go beyond that? Um, so we have the adult summit in which we really target caregivers. And so empowering caregivers, um, both paid and natural caregivers about Down syndrome and uh, what it means, what to expect, how to, how to navigate the different scenarios. And so through the adult summit, as Katie was saying, it's, it's an in-person event. And so it, it allows for the education that happens between the speaker and, and the, the listener, but then also a lot of networking. And so we really want to embrace the opportunity for parents to be able to talk to each other because all being parents on this call, I think we can, we can attest to the fact that it's really helpful to have a network. Um, and so we're doing that and taping the sessions and, and putting them on the internet so people can access it, but also just thinking through how do we go that step further? Um, so we have an advisory committee, the scientific and clinical advisory committees. So we're really talking about that with them, right? Like how do we reach other families? So working with clinicians um, to create materials that then they could hand out to their patients. Um, and that's another sliver of the population. I mean, that's not everyone as well. Um, also looking at ways in which we can go into populations that are not native English speakers, because you know that there is a, a group of people in the United States that, that don't speak English and who have the same needs. They say have the same like health education needs. And so how can we, how can we work with them? Um, so it is, a giant question um, with a million answers, and we're working through all of those. Well, I think it's very well said in the um, um, the fact that the loved ones and caregivers can go to the NDSS as a resource um, is just huge because you know you have to have a place to go when you don't you know you start out from scratch. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, in our goal, there are some Down syndrome clinics in the U.S., but there's not enough for everyone. And so what we really want to do is empower caregivers to navigate the journey with or without a Down syndrome clinic. Um, and there are some incredible providers who know a lot about Down syndrome and don't work at the clinic. And then there are some who have never been exposed and are incredible, but just don't know about Down syndrome. And so how can we empower caregivers and empower parents to work alongside their medical professional to learn what needs to be learned and to access um, other individuals if needed. Candy, what is the one thing that you, as the capo de tutti frutti of the NDSS, would like the audience to know that they might not get about Down syndrome? Gosh, you're really putting me on the spot here of the one thing here. I try to think I, I put my son in here and, and the thing, I think, you know, um, and I see this on the internet a lot too, but maybe it's presuming competence. I think that, you know, and being open-minded to people who are different. And I think that speaks to outside of even just Down syndrome. I mean, uh, folks that are considered different are discriminated against in different ways. And I think that, you know, there's so many different ways to discriminate. And I think that with this pandemic, 
um, folks are, are realizing that kindness and they're realizing, you know, the community that's around us is so important and embracing people and giving these opportunities to people. And, and hopefully that will continue because, you know, we've made, as Margot talked about these families that have come before us, we've made so much progress, you know, within the disability community and specifically Down Center, but we still have work to do. I mean, you know, I could go on forever. You know, people are discriminated against organ transplants and not paid the same wages, right? All of this good stuff that the three of us know so much, but I think the general public doesn't realize some of these discriminations that are so old and that are out there that we have to work really hard to educate families about and be able to help them kind of navigate this process so it doesn't happen to them. Great. Margot, I'll ask you the same question, but you're not allowed to give the same answer. <laughs> I'll just say I agree with Candy um, <laughs> in, in terms of like, uh, but I mean, I have, I have, so, I mean, I think when, when working, when interacting with people with Down syndrome, absolutely, you should presume confidence. Um, but I would also in, embrace the differences. Everybody has different skills, right? And so I think a lot of times in the Down syndrome community, there's, there's individuals that are put on a pedestal and celebrated um, but everybody with Down syndrome should be put on a pedestal and celebrated, right? Like you don't have to be a, a, a lobbyist or a gymnast or, um, you know, an author or, and I love all of those individuals, right? But um, I don't want to be any of those things, right? I don't want to be lobbyist. I don't want to be a gymnast. I don't want to be an author. And if my child doesn't want to be those things, that's okay too. You know, um, she's fabulous for who she is. Can you speak to, um, we touched on it earlier, um, the NDSS relative to Alzheimer's disease? Yeah, Margo, do you wanna kind of tap into some of the discussions we've had recently? Sure, I'll start and then you can fill in the pieces that I've missed. I mean, so we know that individuals with Down syndrome have a higher propensity to develop Alzheimer's than the neurotypical population. And um, this has been in the news a lot recently with the FDA approval of a new drug. And so there's, there's a lot of discussions happening and, and we're working on figuring out what exactly our role is because um, we, we obviously want there to be treatment for Alzheimer's. We also very much want for these Alzheimer's drugs to be tested on people with Down syndrome so that we know that they're safe for our community. Um, we are working a lot with, so sort of three approaches. One is working with families on education about Alzheimer's um, in terms of how to recognize the signs, how to work with your doctor on diagnosis, making sure that it's actually Alzheimer's and not just a regression that's being diagnosed. Um, and really working with the families of just supporting them through the process and through the journey. Then there's the part where you work with providers on how to work with individuals with Down syndrome so that make sure that from their point of view, they understand the diagnosis and understand um, the progression and, and everything that happens. And luckily we have some great uh, physician partners working with us on that part. And then the third piece would be working with Congress and working with the government to make sure that they understand as well um, that people with Down syndrome have a higher propensity for Alzheimer's and that it's earlier in age. And so it's, it's a little different than the neurotypical population. So making sure that any, um, any laws that are passed or any programs that, that are created uh, include people with Down syndrome because 
you know, if it's age-based, then automatically our population will be, um, will be left out just because it, it tends to happen a little earlier. Um, so really with those three approaches, a lot of education, a lot of working together, a lot of trying to, to fill in the gaps and, and connect the dots that maybe aren't happening. Andy, what would you add to that? I was introduced to a family that um, there was a self-advocate that was very involved in NDSS prior to me. She was one of the first individuals who started and formed our self-advocate advisory board. She was the first person with Down syndrome to sit on our board. And she was young. She was in her early 40s. If I'm not, I don't want to speak out of line, but I believe she was in her early 40s. She was diagnosed with Alzheimer's almost four years ago, and she passed away last month. Like the progression and the speed of this disease on our community is it's fascinating to learn about, but it's also devastating, right? Like it's devastating how quickly they got that, that diagnosis of Alzheimer's to where it was the end of her life. And so for us as an organization, as Margo said, I think it's educating and understanding the differences, right? Cause we hear so much about regression versus Alzheimer's and there's misdiagnoses that happen or diagnoses. Um, you're the medical, you tell me how to say that best, but um, you know, I think that it's about education. It's about research. And I think getting people to understand research. I mean, we have friends, mutual friends who have, have donated their loved one's brains to help fund this research and understand more about, you know, Alzheimer's and Down syndrome. And it's a space that I think young families like Margot and myself are learning more about and trying to say, okay, is there different approaches that I can take with my loved one that could offset some of these early, you know, onset symptoms that sometimes come in our community? Because it's not always in the 60s. Sometimes it's in the 40s. Sometimes it's even earlier than that from, you know, the research that I've read and our, and our friends within the community that are sharing these stories. And so for us, it's working collaboratively as a community on how we can get this information into the hands of caregivers and parents and loved ones to be able to navigate this because the, the correlation of folks that get, have Down syndrome that get Alzheimer's is, it's high. Well, Jimi Hendrix says it's approaching 90% now. I know, and I hate using that number because it's, 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 as a parent, it's scary, right? It's scary to think that, okay, what if I pass away and Mason, how are, how's my family or my caregiver for him? Like, how are they going to navigate this, right? When I Absolutely. think that, I mean, we were talking earlier about how people with Down syndrome are living longer than they've ever lived before. And that's really exciting. Yes. And sort of to be met with a, a pretty devastating disease is, is awful. And so, I mean, I have this hope that by the time my daughter hits, hits that age, there will be a, you know, there will be a cure, there will be treatment or there will be something. Um, but that's my reality. That's not the reality of people living in it right now. Mm -hmm. And you know, how can we, how can we support people who are experiencing it right now? And I also tag into that too, Margo. I think it's a matter of the resources. Our community, as we've talked about, is so diverse. You know, I'm able to have a clinic that's close to me that I can take Mason to that not everybody has those resources. And so for me as the leader of NDSS, right, is how do I get those resources into physicians' hands or into medical providers' hands because not everybody has is coming to NDSS.org, right? And reading our materials. How do we get this into the hands of people who can get into the hands of the people who need this information? How can our um, um, 
viewers and listeners and uh, audience at differentbrains.org, how can they learn more about NDSS? Yeah, well, they can definitely visit our website at NDSS.org. We have, you know, all of our resources and current priorities and pieces there. Um, I think that if they're interested in kind of advocacy initiatives, we have opportunities to become an ambassador of, you know, our advocacy and legislative priorities, which, you know, are always very important for us for, for folks that are experiencing, you know, some of these issues that we want to advocate for to share their stories with their, their local members and, and congressional representatives. Um, outside of that, I think, you know, supporting us in any way that they could by attending the adult summit or sharing information or, you know, looking at that we're on as, as you talk about LinkedIn, right? We're on every, every um, social media kind of piece, even TikTok. We've had some really great, you know, um, opportunities to engage with a new group of, you know, advocates on TikTok. And it's been very interesting, but we do share our information on all platforms, but our website is the most comprehensive way to kind of navigate where you want to get involved and how you would like to participate with our, with our family and community. Margo, would you have anything to add to that? Um, I would just add that we do have a helpline phone number and email address, and that if anybody has a question that they can't find the answer to, um, or they want to speak to somebody, please call us. And we, we love to speak to the community, and we're happy to help um, provide any information that we can. Well, our 800 number is 800-221-4602. That's 800-221-4602. And the email is info at ndss.org. Is there anything else that we have not covered today that you'd like to cover? No, I, I think the only other thing that I would, you know, add, Hacky, is I appreciate, number one, we thank you for inviting us today. It's always fun to, to sit down and chat with you and, and hear what's going on. But I think that as our community progresses and, and items and issues are coming up, you know, we want to, the work that we do is based off of what we're hearing from our families and what we're hearing within the communities. That's how we base our initiatives and priorities as an organization. And so um, we look forward to, to virtually connecting with people or when the time comes to get on the road and do that. But we're doing some adult summits coming up. So stay tuned for that. We hope to be in person and have some virtual aspects for our adult families um, and then bringing back and smaller, a little more um, safe spaces, some of our other events for folks that are comfortable and, and wanting to participate in person, but there will be the virtual aspect as well. But we look forward to whatever this new normal is with our community. Candy, can you look into the future and futuristically see what might be on the horizon in a different way for NDSS? You know, I'm seeing, when I look at the future of NDSS, I look at it in a few different ways. Um, I think that there is definitely opportunities here for us to, to look at areas in which we provide our families more resources and more opportunities to empower themselves and connect with our affiliates. I think the big piece of that is going to be this digital platform that we described earlier. I think that this is where the world is taking us right now is a lot more digital, but also when we tie in kind of some of these other programmatic issues like health, 
Um, you know, how do we combine that and make that very accessible for families to where, you know, we talk about research, for instance, you know, research and you being an MD and a, you know, and a researcher, research is very difficult for families and even me and Margot to really comprehend and, and make it relatable. And so how do we help, you know, cause we don't do research as an organization, but how do we support those research efforts by making it manageable and also helping those opportunities to become part of trials, right? Making research, I think a little less scary. I think I see a lot of research in our future um, as a community, because I think there's so many areas that we're going to have to learn about and how the effects of COVID um, are, are going to be long lasting around education, advocacy, a lot of these different pieces. And I think outside of that, I think as an organization, we just want to continue to provide, you know, long lasting resources that are going to impact uh, new families, aging families. So you'll see from us over the next few years, more conversations and updated resources from aging and Alzheimer's, you know, aging and Down syndrome, but also looking at some of these, you know, opportunities on how our families can save money, be more self-sufficient, employment opportunities. And so I think really enhancing a lot of the programs that we're doing, but making sure that we have this 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 digital or virtual kind of aspect to it because we're seeing success with it. That was great. Margo, anything you'd like to add to that wonderful dissertation? No, I mean, the only thing I would add in terms of, of um, aging and what we've mentioned before is uh, somebody once said to us that successful aging starts young. And so really working to help working with researchers to help understand for ourselves and then help provide information for families about, you know, how can we start, I mean, everybody, right? I used to do the same thing, but we, you know, what are things that we can do as we're young to help us age gracefully as we, we go on? Candy Picard, Margot Rondeau, NDSS, National Down Syndrome Society, NDSS.org. Thank you so much for all you're doing for so many. And um, we've learned so much about Down syndrome and about what your NDSS terrific organization is doing. Thank you for being here at Different Brains. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.